Hey guys, welcome to Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. I'm Dr. John Berardi, co-founder of Precision Nutrition, and if you're not familiar with us, over the last 15 years, we've become the world's largest online nutrition, fitness, and health coaching company. Through that time, as you can imagine, we've watched fad diets and fitness crazes come and go. But when the fads have failed and the crazes died out and people just want something that works, they turn to Precision Nutrition for things like expert coaching, guided mentorship, and online support. In this podcast, which is a mix of recorded articles, interviews, and roundtable discussions, myself and my Precision Nutrition colleagues will help make the whole nutrition, fitness, and health process work for you. Ideally, you'll discover that eating, moving, and living well can be easy and enjoyable for now and into the future. So let's get started. Hey, everybody. This is Austin Blood. So today I'm absolutely thrilled to have the opportunity to chat with my good friend, Dr. John Berardi. And for those of you who don't know, John is one of the preeminent fitness and nutrition coaches in the world. And his company, uh, Precision Nutrition, was actually ranked number five on Fast Companies Magazine's list of the world's top 10 most innovative companies in fitness, which is awesome. So in addition to the, to the business side, uh, John is also a nutrition, he's an exercise coach, he's a best-selling author, he's advisor to professional uh, athletes, corporate America. Uh, welcome, John. Did I, did I miss anything? No, I think that's good. That's plenty. I, I hate sitting through long bios about myself. I I'd rather let the information and the conversation speak for itself. So I think that's good, Austin. Thanks for having right. me. As you sit there blushing on the other line. So <laughs> so John and I were talking, uh, ladies, a little bit before uh, we rolled the tape here, kind of about what we're going to talk about today. And we're just going to have this be a real loose-flowing conversation. We're going to take some of your questions that you've written into me and use those as launching points to talk about some of this stuff. And I really can't think of anybody better than John to tackle some of these topics that we're going to talk about. But, but really, the the main focus, or at least what we'll we'll talk about at the top, is <clears throat> what I call the psychological aspect of health and nutrition. So. Uh, specifically as it pertains to women's, meaning how do you ladies overcome obstacles? How do you stay motivated? How do you choose uh, the right nutrition plan for you? And obviously, you know, being a woman in this day and age is, is not an easy gig. So, and certainly that's the case when it comes to health and nutrition. So, uh, you know, what I'm hoping to do with John is clear up a lot of the misinformation that's out there, give you ladies a little bit more uh, concrete info on diet plans, things of that nature, and just uh, kind of have a nice informal chat. So... Sound good, John? Yeah, that sounds great to me. I love this kind of format because then we can just have real talk, you know, rather than me trying to educate people on what they ought to be doing. We can just talk about uh, these kind of things and the challenges that come up and, you know, how in coaching lots and lots of people over the years, we've found ways to, to make it easier or to make it thick or whatever the case may be. So that being that, that being the case, um, you know, maybe that's that's a good probably place to start. Tell, tell tell the ladies a little bit kind of about, you know, precision nutrition. Tell them a little bit about your coaching program, you know, what you do, what your your mission is, I guess for lack of a better term if if you're cool with that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Um I think that, you know, a summary of what precision nutrition does can be very simple. Uh on the one hand, we do coaching. So every year we coach close to 15,000 women and men all over the world, so over 100 countries, uh, and help them achieve, let's say, exercise, movement, eating, and lifestyle goals. 
So that could be anything from I'd like to lose some weight to um, I'd like to have a better relationship with food. Uh, in other words, uh, you know, there's certain things that I do around food that I'd rather change. Um, it could be to uh, improving clinical markers like blood cholesterol or diabetes um, risk factors or things like that. So basically, you know, through the web, it's 100% online coaching, we hook up people who want help with world-class coaches, so people who work for Precision Nutrition, to help uh, people achieve their goals. And uh, so that's the coaching aspect. And then on the other side, what we do and what we've been really well known for also is coaching professionals on how to do that. So every year we certify uh, close to 15,000 fitness professionals. So these may be personal trainers or dietitians, um, and we teach them how we coach so that they can go out and do good in their communities, uh, wherever they may be, and use the same kind of systems that, that we coach with uh, in their own lives and in their own worlds. So really, you know, the, it's kind of like the, the top professionals in the world come to us to learn how to coach. And right. then, you know, we go out and deliver that coaching either directly to our clients or through those professionals. So it's, it's really exciting because it creates this kind of spiral of knowledge, I like to call it. So, you know, we come up with best practices in our coaching program by helping people achieve the things they want to achieve. And then we teach those practices that we learned to professionals. Then they go out and test them. And then we learn from their tests. And then that comes back and helps make our coaching better. So, you know, over the years, we've coached now close to 40,000 clients. And, wow. um, you know, it's, you know, you, you know my background. I, you know, I have a PhD and, you know, I come from a research background. And um, for a researcher geek like me, this is awesome. The idea that we're using our, our coaching lab, if you want to call it that, to generate new knowledge. And then you send that, that knowledge out into the field and then you learn more. And then that comes back into the lab. And so, you know, that's really, really fun from my side of, of PN or precision nutrition. But um, what's most rewarding is actually just working with people, you know, the people who need help, people who feel stuck, people who feel like, well, I've tried this thing dozens of times. I've never been able to crack it, whether that's getting healthier or looking better, whatever it might be for you. And, um, and we come in and we can help them unlock the code. So we can help figure out the skills that they need to develop and the practices that help develop those skills so that not only will they lose weight or get healthy now, but that they'll be able to sustain that for as long as they want, preferably the rest of their lives. Yeah, and you know, I, I can test. Uh, by the way, I can testify, obviously, to that firsthand. And, and for those of you that, uh, that don't know, John and I have known each other for well, we were trying to figure it out before the call here, probably close to 15 years. And yeah. John was really the first person that I reached out to in my early 30s, and said, "Hey, I'm struggling with like like a lot of young guys. I'm struggling with trying to put on more muscle. I can't really figure it out. You know, like John said, the the, the diet code. And John was really the first expert you know, 15 years ago that." said, hey, blood, you know, here's what you need to do, one, two, and three. And that 
and, and that expertise, John, that I learned from you and really the, the plan that you gave me at the time, obviously I didn't know that you know, we were going to go on and become friends and do motorcycle trips and stuff like that. But, but that's really – you did help me crack the code because for a young, guy, you know, a young skinny guy who his whole life you know, weighed about 160 pounds and then I think under your tutelage, at least initially, I think over the years I probably put on close to you know, 30 pounds of, of lean mass and now I'm close to you know, 200 and still lean. So I can speak mm. to that. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I remember the good old days fondly when we were younger men, and those were the types of goals that we were most worried about, right? Like, so looking great with our shirts off and right. uh, having a lot of strength and muscle size and stuff. And, you know, uh, before we started recording, um, for everyone who's listening in, uh, we kind of laughed about how those goals change over time. You know, you end up having children and you end up uh, having new responsibilities you never forecasted you might have when you're tw- in your 20s and 30s, and uh, all the goal sets change. But nevertheless, the the principles and the strategies um, you need, you know. So it's just uh, maybe we're not interested in packing on muscle mass like we used to. And um, but I mean, uh, like we said, uh, doing the minimum amount of exercise and nutritional thought to allow us to have bodies that we feel good in, that we that can move well, uh, that can allow us to do the other things in our lives that we want to do, and then doing no more than that so that we can go hang out with our kids and go spend time with people that we love. You know, that's that, that's really the goal now. Well, you bring up a really good point because, you know, when I was, when I was younger, and I'm sure you're probably the same way, it was more you know, certainly in my 20s and early 30s, it was more, at least for me, and I'll be candid, it was, it was more about vanity, right? I wanted to look good at the, you know, in the hot tub in Vegas or, if, you know, on the beach in Hawaii. But now that I'm 44, um, yes, it's still important to look good with your shirt off, I, but far more important than that, to your point, at least for me, is I guess what I would call functionality. I mean, I love, I, I want to be able to bend over and pick up my five-year-old and chase her around the park and play with her and, you know, throw her in the pool uh, without throwing out my back. Or, you know, and one thing as I've noticed as I've, as I've gotten older, that flexibility has really gone down uh, the, the tubes for me. So just being able to, you know, have that, I guess what you would call functional strength and then still, um, you know, being able to just feel like you can be a younger man even though you're older in your body, but then also... Mm-hmm. I become acutely aware too of how much more nutrition impacts my mood, impacts the way that I feel. So, for example, when I was younger, I don't know, maybe you can speak to this. I I could pretty much eat what I wanted for the most part without it really affecting a whole lot how I felt, meaning my energy levels, um, fatigue, things like that. But now I notice that if I eat poorly, that I'm I'm much more fatigued. I don't have the I don't have the mental clarity that I would. So it's funny that as I've aged, it almost seems like the nutritional component has become far more important in terms, I guess, what I would call my my quality of my mental life. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. I mean, you're basically describing a phenomenon that's that's well known, and it's this idea that at a certain point, for a lot of us, it it happens sometime in our thirties. The the just the act of living, you know, being alive, consuming oxygen, you know, and and breathing in air, um, creates damage in the body. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to to sort of balance when you don't have a physiological background in your head. But but you know, we all know how important oxygen is, you know, in our air. But oxygen is kind of like a double-edged sword. Um, it also causes what's called oxidative damage in your body. 
And when you're younger, you're really robust and resilient, so uh, this stuff doesn't accumulate. But over time, just the act of being alive starts to uh, influence your cells. And that oxidation process I mentioned, uh, it, it, it's the same thing inside your body as, as an old car, for example. When you see an old car get rusty, that's really what's happening. Oxygen is reacting with the metal to make it rust and break down. There's a similar, very similar process in our bodies, and it doesn't start accumulating until you get older, just like cars. And Correct. so as you get older, that, that damage accumulates, and every lever that you can grab, you know, nutritional lever, an exercise lever, a stress management, sleep lever, um, becomes really important to your mental health and your physical well-being. So these are that's why it becomes more important because we're starting to rust. You know, now that we're both in our 40s, we're starting to rust. And so now, when we grab the nutritional lever and we pull it a little harder, uh, it helps prevent some of that rusting, and it helps us be mentally more acute. So yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, everyone kind of knows exercise and nutrition are important, but you don't really feel it at a deep level until you start practicing it into your 40s and then you're like, whoa, this makes a big difference. Not just to how I, I look, but to how I feel and perform and think and, and to who I am in the world uh, because it also affects your mental outlook. Right. Well said. And again, getting back to kind of what I said earlier about the, uh, you know, the, the whole realizing the, the importance of health and nutrition from a, from a holistic approach, you know, um, again, it was when I was younger, it was all about vanity, but now I'm just realizing just the importance of it in terms of just get, being able to get through the day and the, the quality of life. So that's what's, you know, great about, you know, having the opportunity to talk about this. We've got, you know, all the women in this community have so many questions, and so what I really want to kind of focus on is how we can take health, nutrition, use it to improve their quality of life, and most importantly, kind of give them the tools to, to kind of stay focused. So mm-hmm. um, so maybe, that's, I guess, that being said, probably good a time as any to to ask the, the first question that came up, and I and I put a... a uh, invitation out to all the ladies in the community and I said hey ladies going to be talking to John Berardi and of I would say about 50% more than half the questions that came in they were centered in some way around staying motivated the, so like I said earlier the psychological aspect of staying motivated because there's so much it, it's overwhelming out there. There's a ton of information about diet. There's a ton of information. You know, you've got paleo. You've got South Beach. Do you do this? Do you do Weight Watchers? Do that? And then say, same thing when it comes to exercise. So I guess maybe the one question I would ask you, and, and I'm asking that for the ladies as well, is do you have any kind of just general observations? As a, And it doesn't necessarily have to be for women specifically, but just general observations about kind of a mindset about staying motivated and really what you need to do to to make it happen for you know to make it happen for you kind of track. Yeah, I'd love to I'd love to address this one because I have some pretty strong thoughts on it. Um and uh the ladies are going to have to forgive the listening in are going to have to forgive a little touch of profanity here because I really want to get their attention, but the bottom line is I've I've often said this, motivation is bullshit that this idea that to accomplish anything in the world you need to be motivated, that's a prerequisite, I think is bullshit. I think it's false. I think it's a lie. I think that um, motivation is not a requirement for success. In fact, the reliance on motivation or the idea that motivation is what carries you through 
I think is the thing that's led to the most failure historically in fitness, weight loss, and other goal attainment, whatever that goal is you might want to accomplish. Now, if you're listening and you're like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Let me explain for a minute. So the idea that most people carry around in their head is that motivation is this this thing, this deep desire, um, this deep want to do something that's good for you. So for example, you're following a diet. Um, motivation means you're excited to do that diet. You wake up in the morning and you're pumped. You're ready. You want to do it. And then if a challenge or an obstacle comes up, you're just so heroically motivated that you can just blast through it without slowing down. And to me, that's all nonsense. Um, that is a fundamental misunderstanding of how, A, successful people do things, and B, what's really required to have success. So I'll use myself as an initial example. You know, you know, you know, Austin, like I, I don't want to seem like braggartly about this or whatever, but, you know, I'm, I'm in good shape. You know, I'm, I'm a guy in his 40s. I have body fat that's between 6 and 8%. Um, and by the way, Jim, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. For those of you ladies who have not Googled John Berardi, I know many of you have, but for those of you that have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The guy is, and I say this with all humility, is in insane shape for any age, much less a guy in his 40s. Sorry, John. Not I appreciate up. it. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just say that because I, I, I like to set the stage to let people know that even though I'm in good shape like this, I am not very motivated. In fact, I would say less than 30% of the time when I have a scheduled workout, am I excited to do it? Am I motivated <coughs> to do it? Do I sit there and go, oh, workout's coming up today? I can't wait to do that workout. Look at me, Mr. Motivation. I'd say that happens like less than a third of the time. The other you know, 66% of the time or whatever, I don't want to do it, you know? Normally, uh, I work out in the evening once I've put the kids to bed. So, you know, I, I usually wake up, I have my work day, uh, kids come home from school, we hang out for a while, I put them to bed, and then it's time, my time to work out. And as you can imagine, like, depending on the nature of the day, it's kind of late, I may right. be tired or stressed or whatever, so I'm not sitting there super pumped about going to the gym when it's dark outside. But... Nevertheless, I do it anyway. And um, for me, seeing things through to success actually encompasses two other things that don't include motivation. The one is making a promise to yourself that you'll do certain things and being the type of person who keeps promises to yourself. And then the second thing is that the things that you promise yourself that you'll do have to be things that you can realistically do. So to see success in this area, you really just need to sign up for things that are actually possible for you and then make the promise that you'll be the type of person who follows through on that. And then I would say there's this third thing that creeps up every once in a while. It's when the shit hits the fan, what will you do instead of that thing? So I always have this example like, the best workout program, and we'll just say workout because it's an easy example, is the one that accommodates your worst day. So, like, if I give you a workout program where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I could totally do that if everything goes right in my week, that's not a good program. 
The, right. the best program is the one that you could do when everything's gone wrong. So let's say you're at work, something really bad has happened, and you had to stay two hours late. Uh, and you have to rush home, and your sitter uh, has to leave the minute you walk in the door. And you were planning on working out during this time. And then as you walk in the door, there's something burning on the oven, and your dog decides to just squat and poo in the middle of the living room. <laughs> all, of this, all of this is happening. Your workout program has to be one that you could somehow do in this context. In other words, once you get the fire done on the stove, you pick up the poo, you could do something in your living room for 15 minutes that facilitates fitness. That, to me, is what's doable and what people should be signing up for when they look for something that will help change their body and their health. It can't be something so ambitious that you have to have the perfect day to accomplish it. So again, what's in place instead of motivation? It's something that's doable, and it's something that you feel like you can commit to. And we, we, we often um, call it the confidence test. Uh, you ask yourself, does this feel like something, uh, or, or maybe you just give it a scale, on a scale of 0 to 10, how confident do I feel that I can do this thing every day for the next 14 days? So let's say it's eat a healthy breakfast, or whatever the, the practice might be. So you just rate it. 0 means there's no way I'll do it even once. 10 means absolutely, of course I could do that every day. A trained monkey could do that. Your goal is when you look at a new practice or a thing you want to work on around food or exercise is to be able to rate everything you promise yourself a 9 or 10 out of 10. In other words, how confident do I feel? 9 or 10 out of 10. If it's any lower, it's not the right thing for you to try. If it's a 5, it's back to the drawing board. You see what I mean? So that would be, so say something like, um, you know, if I'm understanding you correctly, that would be, you know, 15 minutes of, like, I, I get, for me, a 10. I, every day, no matter how shitty my day is, I could stretch for 15 minutes and uh, do push-ups in my, in my office, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that so, might be the thing that you start with. You know, if fitness is going to be a new thing for you, uh, on, a, on a, let's say, a, on a nutrition perspective, it might be every day for the next week or two, I'm going to have protein with my breakfast. And let's, that might not be the right practice for a certain person, but it's an example. And if you can say, yes, I can totally do that. I know how to do that. I, I know what protein is. I know how to build it into my breakfast. Yeah, I can do that. Nine out of ten, I can do that for the next 14 days. That's a good practice. And then sort of building out a whole thing because you're like, okay, well, that sounds good, but it sounds really tiny. And how does that like square up with my notion of eating healthy, like following some diet? Well, it squares up this way. You know, at PN, we've had a tremendous amount of success coaching people through um, nutritional change. And people are often surprised when we don't give them a diet plan. So that when they start coaching with us, they're like, okay, cool. So you're, I'm assuming you're going to give me a diet plan and I can print it out and stick it on my fridge and then I'll follow it. And the answer is no, we're not going to do that. And the answer is the question is often why? Why not? Like that's how it works, right? And the answer is no, that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. Well, actually, here's how it works. Uh, if I give you a diet plan, you'll print it out and you'll stick it on your fridge, and then you're going to try it. And you, through the sheer act of heroic will, will be able to stick with it for like a week, maybe two. 
And then all of a sudden you're going to go out with your friends or you're going to have one of those days I mentioned earlier and you're not going to do the diet. And then you'll you'll feel guilty about that and then you'll try and return to it the next day but the momentum's been broken and you tell yourself, well, I'm not motivated anymore. And then all of a sudden it stops. I mean, all of the failed diet plans in the world are heaped up together and they've all failed because of this one thing, which is you are expected to do something that's really hard that's not even necessary, and you're expected to do it every day perfectly for the rest of your life. And you tried that for a little bit. That's not a sustainable or attainable thing for a real human being in the context of a real human life. And then you failed, and then you felt horrible about it. And once you do that two or three times, and the women who've done this know, uh, once, you, once you go through this little cycle two or three times, maybe a few more in your life, you, find, you don't want to do it anymore because all it does is make you feel bad. And you right. think you have failed the diet. Oh, I must just be a failure. I must not have motivation. But I have to tell you, ladies listening in, it's the exact opposite. The diet has failed you. It hasn't taken you as a human into account. It hasn't taken a real life into an account. So it is a bad diet. The foods on it might be vegetables. But the ask, the expectation from you as a human isn't in line with what actually helps people change. And I'll tell you what is. And again, we've, we've done this with you know, 40,000 people. We kind of build this, let's call it um, a practice tree. All right? So what you might do is, if, you can, if you're a visual person, you can visualize this. If not, just listen through it. So you would write down your goal at the top of a piece of paper, and let's say it's lose weight. But fundamentally, lose weight isn't something to do. It's just a thing you want to happen. So to lose weight, there's actually some skills you need, you know, so like exercising skills or eating less skills or whatever, whatever those skills may be. So in, in our coaching, we actually break down those skills. And we know that it probably takes about five or six different skills that you have to develop to lose weight. But even skills you can't actually develop unless you practice something every day. And you can just think of it as simple as like learning to play an instrument, piano or guitar, right? You're not going to learn to do that without some form of daily practice. But what is practice? It's building a skill. And what is the skill for? It's to help you get to the goal of playing, I don't know, a uh, piece of music that you really love. So this is what works. It's breaking a goal down into skills, breaking a skill down into habits or practices, and doing those little practices every day. And I already talked about some of the criterion. The practices have to be small enough that you feel like you could actually do them, but they have to be strategic. They have to work on the thing that you need most. So I'll give you an example to make this very kind of heady, you know, theoretical thing concrete. So let's say that lose weight is your goal. One of the skills you need to develop to lose weight is not follow a meal plan. One of the skills you need to develop is appetite awareness. It's one of the first skills you need to, to um, be able to develop. Uh, some people call it in the science world interoception. So you, you probably know the, the word um, so perception, right? It's when you're perceptive, you can perceive things happening in the outside world. You kind of notice and you kind of see, you perceive. Well, interoception is perception about your insides. 
So it's your ability to perceive what's happening inside your body, not outside your body. And historically, especially people who've quote-unquote failed at diets or whatever the case may be, the one area that they struggle the most is interoception, perceiving how they feel and what signals their body's giving them. So that's why appetite awareness is so important for people starting out who want to lose weight. You need to learn the skill of tuning into your body, knowing when you're hungry, knowing when you're not, knowing when you have a specific feeling, whether that's hunger or it's something else, stress, frustration, shame, even happiness. For some people, when they're super happy, uh, they feel certain feelings, and then they're like, oh, this is I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. So that's good to know that you need to build up interoception. In other words, tuning into your hunger cues. And I remember I, I was teaching this in a seminar at one point, and one woman uh, raised her hand and said, well, that's all great and fine, listening to your body. But if I listen to my body, it's telling me to eat Ben and Jerry's every night. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> I get it. I totally get it, right? Um, it's difficult. And that's why, for most people, it, they haven't built the skill yet. So how do you build the skill? Well, there's actually two practices that we use to teach people. It's like those habits we were talking about earlier, right? So the first one we use is called eat slowly. So it's, it sounds crazy, but this is one of the first things we teach people when we work with them through eating better. The first practice, eat slowly. So for the next two weeks, every time you eat, you're going to eat more slowly. And we have little strategies we share for allowing you to be able to do that. And it sounds really crazy, and people are like, well, don't you want me to eat something different? And the answer is no. I don't want you to eat anything different yet. What I want you to do is just eat whatever you plan on eating, but do it slowly. I want you to take about twice as long as you normally eat. And most people, it takes five to seven minutes to finish a meal. So we're going to try and slow it down, maybe 50% slower, 100% slower. And why do we do that? Well, because uh, two reasons. One, by eating slowly, we can pay better attention. We're not distracted. We can tune into how things actually taste and how they make us feel. And the second thing is, it takes about 20 minutes from when we start eating for our brain to receive hunger and fullness cues. So if you think about it, you could crush I'm laughing a not lot. To cut you off. It's funny you should to do that. My, my daughter was literally sitting last night at the counter Say, Dad, I want some more steak. Dad, I want some more steak. And of course, I don't want to cook any more of this, you know, twenty dollar <laughs> a pound steak. And I said, you know what? Just wait twenty minutes. I said, twenty minutes, you'll be full. And I explained to her, you know, the whole lag time effect of food and all that sort of stuff. And she's looking at me, and out of the corner of her eye, and she's eleven. She's like, that sounds like that sounds a little weird. And I'm like, no, 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 just tell me. It's true. And then, like fifteen minutes later, she's like, oh, Dad, I'm so stuffed. So anyway, I, not, not to cut you off, but that literally happened at my dinner table last night. That's awesome. It's true. It's true. It's such a great lesson to teach your children, too, at this, at this stage where, like, these are the things that they uh, – I mean, obviously, you want them to be – you want them to grow into women who are comfortable with who they are, comfortable with their bodies, comfortable with food, right? So these are just such – they're so important as lessons for them to be getting now. I mean, for those listening in, I have a daughter also, and I have two boys, and, you know, these things are really important to me, that they catch them now. And, you know, uh, as adults, if you haven't caught this yet, it's really important. And so, you know, again, 
getting back to you, you, you proved the point very well, which is by slowing down our eating, we can actually be silent enough and patient enough to wait for our body to tell us when we're full. So that's the first thing. And then you pick up that thing, interoception, listening to your body signals. So that's one practice that if you do it every day for 14 days, and it is hard to do, it really is. But by the end of those 14 days, you have built part of a skill. So now the second practice that we loop on top of that, so this comes after the 14 days, is what we call eating till 80% full. So now that you're able to tune in better to your hunger and fullness cues, now we're going to ask you to eat just until you're satisfied, but stop before you're stuffed. Now, like your daughter, she, it, she was asking for steak too early. She didn't even know she was stuffed yet. And that's the point. If you don't slow down your eating, you will eat till stuffed, but you won't even feel stuffed until well after you've stopped eating. And at that point, you've probably eaten too much. So that's why the next principle comes in. Now that you can tune in, we ask people to slow down at about you know 80% full, which is just we call satisfied, not stuffed. And then people can work on that for the next two weeks. And then you can see that builds the next portion of this awareness skill. So I just use these as examples, not to say everyone has to go out and start this on Monday or whatever, but the idea is you look for the skill you want to build and then you do practices, things that are simple, things that you can say 9 out of 10 on the confidence scale, I can do, and you build up over time so that while you're not going to start right out of the gate following a menu plan on the fridge, what you're going to do is you're going to build up skills that are going to teach your body how to eat, how to sense into itself, and then weight loss becomes a natural byproduct of that or a better relationship with food becomes a byproduct of that. And as you can see, like this, this solves the motivation problem. If you only have to practice one thing for two weeks, you don't have to be super motivated to do that. You just have to say you're going to do it and stick with it because it's not particularly hard and it fits into the context of your real life. And that's, that's kind of like our tagline for precision nutrition. It's nutrition and fitness in the context of a real life. Right. Well, you know, you bring up a really good point, and I've got to tell you, and I've got to give credit where credit is due. You know, in, in our community, I, I get a lot of questions about health and nutrition, and, I, and I, I answer them as best I can based on the things that I've learned from you over the years, but obviously I, I come nowhere near to being able to tackle it uh, with the level of expertise like you do. But one of the things that I, that I constantly uh, am reinforcing is actually this concept that I got from you. And I don't remember, we may have you know, talked about it at some point in the past, but um, you know, really what you're talking about here is the importance of making, not only making something a habit, right, so that, so that it can incorporate into your lifestyle as opposed to take over your lifestyle, but you're also talking about, you know, making it something that, that's achievable and, and doable. And so for, and for me, the one thing that I always tell a lot of people, at least from a nutritional standpoint, um, when we start trying to change a diet is, like you said, just just do something very simple for a short period of time, like, hey, start taking a multivitamin. Never taken a multivitamin? Take a multivitamin or fish oil, right, or, or whatever it may be. And then you do that for a, for a couple of weeks, and then you incorporate a new habit, and, and then you eventually make that habit. And obviously you look at it, like you said, any successful person in the world 
a key reason that they're successful is because they've been able, they repeat these small habits consistently, and that ultimately is, is a, at least a, a critical factor in, in achieving the, their success, right? Whatever those yeah. habits are. Yeah, it's true, you know, and, and uh, I'll bring up two things. One is, um, you know, I'll, I'll contrast two different ways of, of building skills. One is, we'll call it the boot camp method, okay? So, uh, I mean, if you've, in corporate environment, this is pretty common, right? So let's say you want to train a sales force. Um, it, people also do it in fitness, too. I mean, the biggest loser is a perfect example of this. So what you do is you take people and you pluck them out of their life. Right, so you take them out of all the demands and the pooping dog and the burning dinner, and you put them in a, an artificial environment, and then you just eight hours a day you train them on sales and you drill them and they do practices, or you go to a fitness boot camp and you just work out and there's no junk food around and there's no temptations, and uh, you put people through boot camp. At the end of boot camp, however long that is, you've lost weight or developed a skill or whatever the case is. And then you take them out of boot camp and pluck them back into their real life, and what happens? Well, most times what happens is they can't sustain that, right? It's impossible because you put them in an artificial, put them on Mars and then bring them back to Earth and expect them to behave the way they behaved on Mars. That's a good analogy. You know, the boot camp method is a very short-term fix with very little long-term lasting consequences. So we actually do the opposite. We actually take the things that work and we drop them into the context of real life. There's no boot camp here. This is you're going to build up the skills doing what you normally do in the planet you live on, and then you'll be able to sustain that forever for as long as you want. And the number one question that comes up now is, oh, wait a second. Uh, You don't understand my life I'm in a hurry. I want to change this thing now. I've got a wedding coming up or a vacation or I just want some immediate results. And um, my answer to that is, uh, and I I guess the assumption there is that um, because you're doing one thing at a time, it necessarily has to go slower. And my answer to that is the second part of what building practices really means. Not only does it have to be simple, but it has to be strategic. In other words, it has to be the thing that fixes the thing that's holding you back right now. So you brought up the example of a multivitamin earlier, Austin. So if you actually have a deficiency in a a particular vitamin, your metabolism may be slower as a result. And I don't have to fix your whole diet to fix that. I just give you that one vitamin and all of a sudden you're metabolism speeds up. So we did the one simple thing that was strategic and fixed what was in your way right now. You know, for some people, dehydration is what's going on in their life. They just don't get enough fluids. And as a result, they feel crappy all the time. You fix their dehydration, and in like three days, a whole bunch changes. So this idea of it being simple means that it's slow is false. It works actually faster if it's simple and strategic. So then you can still do it in the context of your normal life, but it's going to work and probably faster than that whole boot camp kind of approach. So that's, that's how I kind of answer that, because I know that crops up for people whenever I mention this. Simple seems slow, but it's not. 
if you do it properly, if you do it strategically. Right. Well, you know, you bring up a really good point because like you said, when you, you know, I've always hated the term diet, right? Because because what it does is it by definition implies a temporary state that is non-sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously the, the thing I like about what you guys teach over at PN is if you're, if, if you're going to be healthy, if you're going to, to, to be able to incorporate this in your, into your life, these are habits that you want to be able to sustain, ideally, for the rest mm. of your life, or at least, as, at least as long as you can, right? And so much of what is out there, um, as you well know, is, is, gain, is aimed at temporary fixes, right? How do you put on 10 pounds of muscle? How do you drop 10 pounds of fat? How do you do whatever, right? And all the, all the diets are, are and, and I understand, right, there's a lot of marketing behind that. But the thing that's cool about you guys is you're really – like you said, giving people the tools and the skills, to use your term, that that they need to actually start to make these changes, put them in their life, and then they can sustain them, and then they then they then they don't ever go back to the old them. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Or they could if they wanted to, but at least they know how to do either one. You know, and you and I were talking about this earlier. You know, um, for everyone listening in, there was this one point a couple of years ago where I decided to try this particular way of eating called intermittent fasting. And as a result of doing it, I lost a whole lot of body weight and a whole lot of body fat. And, you know, uh, Austin was looking at my pictures online. He's like, dude, you were like really ripped at that time. And I was like, well, yeah, I was. And, you know, I backed off from that. Like I have a little bit more body fat than I did there. And that was like an intentional choice. Right, because walking around at that low body fat level wasn't healthy or sustainable for me. So I made the choice to gain a little bit of body fat back and find that like sweet spot for me. And that's one of the things that I love about understanding how your body works and understanding how to move and eat for your body, because you get to make choices and trade offs. So you know, I remember having this conversation with a friend of mine who's a really well known writer. And uh, he he had actually tried that intermittent fasting thing too. And he was like, you know what? I got to a certain point where I realized that I like certain foods uh, way more than I liked being 5% body fat. So <laughs> I, just, I just did a compromise. You know what I mean? So I figured out what the right balance was for me. And now I'm about 10% body fat. So I still look good and I still have a great health profile. But I also get to enjoy wine and certain foods that I want. And I love that perspective, right? It's there is no ideal. There is no perfect. Trying to achieve perfect is fundamentally flawed, not just theoretically, but because there's probably something else that you'll have to give up that you shouldn't, that you wouldn't want to, you know? And so I love that idea where, you know, for me, I actually do this seasonally sometimes. Like, I'll know a certain busy point of my life is coming up. Like, uh, right now, for anyone who's a, a parent knows, like, we're coming up on end of school year transition, right? So the kids are getting out of school. and uh, Yeah, yes, they were, yes, for me. Yeah, it was, yeah, today. It's today for me. And yeah. so, you know, this, like, everything changes, right? Like, now they're right. going to be around all the time when they were at school most days and um so it all changes for me, and, and I want to take them on trips. And my daughter's just started to express an interest in camping, so I want to take her camping. So now, over the next couple months, I know that I want to, not just have to, but I want to put my fitness on the back burner and just let it simmer. I want to keep it, 
but I just want to let it simmer for now. It's not going to be a priority while I focus on my family and the time with them and doing fun new things, you know. And so having the ability to make that choice and then to just dial it back in a little bit when the season changes again. You know, there'll they'll come a point where I want to take my fitness off the back burner and put the heat back on it, and then I can do that. So, And the way to do it is to understand your body in the context of your life and not to do this boot camp thing and not to follow diets on and off again. And It's just to figure out the habits that are simple, that are strategic, and that matter. And then just do them to the extent that not only you can, but that you want to at any given point in time. I feel like it's this beautiful compromise between the values that you have and the things that you want in your life. And I think, you know, a lot of people may, quote unquote, fail on a diet because the diet asks you to give up things in your life that you also value. So it may, you know, it may be that you're doing this diet and it asks you to work out five days a week. And working out five days a week means you actually can't do this other thing that's core to your personality or yourself. So now all of a sudden, it sets up this either-or thing. You can either be who you are and unfit, or you can be like us, the fit people, but you have to give up that stuff that you are. And I hate that paradox. It's not required. Uh, I rail against that all all the time because so 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 many and and women especially are are bad at this, and you know society doesn't help with its unrealistic no, expectations. Not at all. But, but women are held to this unrealistic standard of who they should be and how they should live their lives, right? And there's mm-hmm. there's a woman named Deborah Spar who wrote a fantastic book uh, called Wonder Woman, and it's really about the pressure on women within society to be everything. Right? Mm-hmm. They have to have a career. They have to be an awesome mom. They have to be fit. They have to be smart. They have to be on par with their uh, counterparts in the male force. And it's all bullshit. And this is, you know, in a lot of the work that I do, this, 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 this Wonder Woman concept or this Wonder Woman expectation, for lack of a better term, is something I rail against. Because what it does is it creates a lot of psychological problems, right? Trying to measure up to this unrealistic ideal. And instead, I teach, um, well, there's a, a lot of things, but I, I, I think. Learning just as <laughs> it's nothing is more important oftentimes than cultivating self acceptance, mm-hmm. right? Yep. For both men and women, and that's figuring out what's important to you, where your priorities lie, and everything's going to be a, a little bit of give and take, right? Like for example, we're sitting here talking about um, giving up certain aspects of your life in order to achieve a certain type of physical condition, but there's so many other things in life that are far more important than Right, running around at say eight percent body fat, or having big boobs, or having trim legs, <laughs> and so I think right, just just as much of that journey as figuring out how to continually stay healthy is 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 obtaining health in your psychology, in your mind, as it pertains to self acceptance, right? Yeah, and that's, that's, that's a whole other thing that we, we I mean we could talk about that that topic on two hours. Absolutely, no, um, but I mean it's fundamental to what we teach. Uh, at Precision Nutrition for both men and women because this is definitely a problem for women historically and it, it persists to modern day, but it actually is becoming a, a, an issue for men too, this tension you know, between what we think we should be and the reality of what we have to be to fulfill our other obligations in life. And so how do we reconcile the two? Well, the way to reconcile the two is what I'm talking about here. It's identify your values, the things that are important that make you who you are, and then find a way for fitness 
to plug into that rather than you having to become a completely different person to be fit. And while that sounds I, like when I set I it love up, that. When, you know, when I set it up this way, it sounds like a no-brainer, but the entire fitness industry has spent its entire life teaching you the opposite. And, and, let, and it comes in messages that sound good. So here's one. Austin, it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. Well, what does that imply? Everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I like that message. But what does that message imply? It implies the style of your life sucks and that you have to change it all to do this style of life. And I disagree with that. Um, We say things like, you know, um, what's what's another good one that that sounds, it's sort of like a a wolf in sheep's clothes. You know what I mean? It's this idea that, um, no, 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 uh, you just need to um, uh, change your habits, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, cool, change my habits. Yeah, that sounds better than a diet. But again, it can be a wolf in sheep's clothes because it implies that all the things that you habitually do now are wrong and bad, and you ought to stop them, and you ought to start doing all the ones that the people who uh, hang out at the gym all the time are doing. And again, I think that's false. Uh, it's not true at all. Uh, so I, uh, I always encourage people to be very cautious of even these pleasant-sounding platitudes in the fitness industry because there is a way. Uh, we teach it every day to thousands of men and women um, to continue to be yourself, to continue to live the style of life that you live. Because uh, for a lot of people, that style of life meets a bunch of needs that you have. Um, but plug in fitness into it or plug in whatever other skill that you want to develop, you know, whether it's playing an instrument or something else. You know, I mean, fitness is weird that way because if you were to want to learn to play the guitar, guitar teacher wouldn't say, playing guitar is a lifestyle. <laughs> you need <laughs> to stop hanging out with your friends and doing all this other stuff and get right. serious about this guitar business. You know, um, but learning to play the guitar is just as hard as learning to mod- moderate your your food intake or move more consistently. Um, so why don't they say that? Well, it's a because they're not crazy and biased and think their life is better than yours, um, and b because they realize it's not true. Uh, really, to learn to play the guitar means you just have to practice some stuff, uh, maybe even just a half an hour a few times a week. And the same is true with fitness and nutrition. Uh, live your life. I want everyone to live their life, the life that they love, uh, the things that they want to do. But I'd love it also if they could find ways to build small practices in that make them healthier, make them more present for the people in their lives, uh, and make them able to do things that they never imagined they could do physically because it just opens up a world of possibility. You know, I love that, John, what you just said, live your life. Because when I was a younger man, particularly in my late 20s and my early 30s, I did not live my life the way that I could have because of fitness. And I'll tell you what I mean. Um, like a lot of young guys, I was, I was vain when I was younger. It was very important for me to be kind of ripped and have six abs. And, you know, I, I knew that in order to do A, B, C, and D, in order to look like the guy on the cover of Men's Health, well, that, there were certain things that I had to do, right? 
I had to eat every three hours. I had to go to the gym five to six days a week. I had to do my cardio. I had to lift. I had to do this. I had to do that. And those things, in order to achieve that desired state for me at age 28 or even at age 30, um, took over my life. And maybe that's partially my fault because I wasn't really um, you know, skilled enough to adapt those changes into my lifestyle because I was so hard. So I guess what I'm saying in English is I was so hardcore. And so I went hardcore, and then I realized that it took over my life, and then I realized that I didn't really like who I had become because there were other areas of my life that gave way because I was so focused on this fitness thing, primarily for the purposes mm-hmm. of anarchy. So now, you know, in you know, my early 40s, I've learned a much more valuable lesson, and that is there are so many, and kind of getting back to that self-acceptance thing I was talking about earlier, I am much more content now at you know, 10% body fat or whatever I am, you know, maybe I might be a little bit over that now, but as a general, I'm, I'm much happier, say 10 to 12 body percent body fat and doing something that is maintainable, uh, maintainable, non-intrusive, and then focusing on finding enrichment and satisfaction in other areas of my life, whether it's my relationship with my children, whether it is my job that I'm doing now. And so I, I really found that as I've gotten older, I've really understood so much more this concept of, you know, you're, we're basically kind of talking about it, uh, the concept of balance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 we, yeah, we are, we are talking about that concept, and that's, you know, I, I don't know about anyone else listening in, but it took me, um, you know, a lot of my life to figure out that that wasn't soft, that that wasn't weak balance. You know what I mean? That hardcore <laughs> wasn't actually the desired state. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Because in my 20s and early 30s, that's what I thought was required. Um, probably I had a whole bunch of male gender roles enforced upon me. That plus I'm, I'm generally a kind of ambitious guy. So you layer a couple of those things together, and then you think hardcore is what you know successful people do, and balance is wussy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, and I, I've come to learn that that uh, whatever. I mean, I, I don't have any regrets about my past uh, because I, I actually like who I am today, and I, I suspect that all my past contributed to that. But the, uh, you know, I, I actually believe now that there was probably a better way of doing it, even when I was younger. You know, I bet that I could have done half the work um, and gotten 90% of the result. Sure. And it, I could have enriched myself in other areas uh, that I'm just finally starting to enrich now. And you can't go back, and you probably can't even tell a 28-year-old that that stuff's important. But uh, that's okay because I'm here now and I and I know better now and and now I I have the opportunity and so does everyone else listening to this the opportunity uh, to build that life that you want and and for me I mean uh, as someone who works in fitness and nutrition uh, I would love to convince every person listening that you do want some of this in your life some health and fitness in your life um, I suspect that you do. But if you're not quite sure, I'd love to convince you of that. Um, And not because I want you to be more like me, but because I want you to be able to do the things that um, giving some attention to health and fitness uh, in your life can provide for you. Uh, The mental clarity, the uh, the ability to have, uh, as, as I often say, the analogy like a full cup. You know, you think of your energy and your uh, wisdom and your experience as a full cup. And so the people who rely on you, your children, your, your loved ones, maybe you care for an aged parent or something, 
they rely on your cup to be full so that you can help them. And so all these things sort of contribute, um, you know, fitness, health, nutrition, eating better, living better, uh, contribute to that, that capability to do more good in the world. And so, uh, again, I don't, I, I don't think anyone needs to commit to a fitness project unless that's your particular goal. Uh, but I think there's small ways to work this in, and, and hopefully our conversation today uh, helps people think through that a little bit different and, and maybe even uh, encourages them to try something a little different next time they want to build health and fitness into their life. Which, uh, which is, uh, John, you have an opportunity coming up here, I believe, at the first part of July that if somebody's interested in, in and making some of those changes, they can do that, right? You want to tell the folks listening a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to. I mean, you know, I mentioned earlier that we do coaching. That's what we're known for, and, and we help people, uh, you know, be, become the types of people who can commit and stick to some kind of fitness and health goals. And so, you know, every year, twice a year, we don't take ongoing enrollment. Uh, we just take new clients every uh, January and July. And the reason is we have a limited number of coaches. I mean, we, we bring on world-class coaches. And they're not a dime a dozen. They're not everywhere. We have to find them and then we have to take a a great amount of time grooming them uh, into the type of coach that that can really help support people through this. And so because there's so few of them, we can only take clients and give them the attention they need twice a year, January and July. So in July, we have our next group coming up. We'll be taking some women and some men and uh, inviting them into our coaching program, uh, pairing them up with a coach, giving them a curriculum of, of uh, practices and that'll help them develop skills, that'll help them reach their goals. And, um, you know, I mean, if people are interested in that, who are listening in, they can come visit us at precisionnutrition.com and, and learn more. But uh, even if that's not uh, in the cards for some of the people listening in because of finances or because they're not quite sure they're ready to commit to something like this, I mean, we have we have hundreds of free articles on the website. We have a free course for women that takes them through sort of like a, a five-day experience, like a, a mini coaching course, um, all, all in the service of helping people uh, do a little bit better, um, you know, helping people be healthier and feel better and live better and get in control of their diet, whatever that means for them. So, yeah, for those listening in, if you want to just get a little taster, come over to the website and check it out. And if, if you feel like this is something, you know, maybe 2015 is your year to get this handled, uh, we're going to offer another coaching group very soon. Yeah, and, I, and I'll announce that on my Facebook page as well, ladies. Um, for those of you that may be interested in this uh, coaching opportunity that John has in July, but either either way, and I got to tell you, John, I mean, you're, you're right about the the any, anybody that has any questions about fitness, health, nutrition, wellness, I always shoot them over to PN because there's so much wealth of stuff over there. I mean, you guys have obviously been building your your catalog for for years now, and it's it's an awesome resource. And you know, I I mean, I have this is I think this is probably a good place to to cut the conversation. Um, at the, you know, it's been it's been about an hour. I literally have a laundry list of questions that uh, I could go over, but you know, we could easily go on another hour. But I think this is kind of a, a nice break, and maybe at some point we'll, uh, you know, we'll have another chat and we can answer some of these other questions. But um, yeah, it, you know, I knew this would be a good conversation. The cool thing about our, our chat is we just kind of said motivation, and then we went yeah, off on the there tangent. We go. Yeah, there's never any danger of um, of me not talking a lot. <laughs> that's, no, that's it's something good. I've, I've come to learn about myself. You get you start pressing my buttons and talk about the things that I love, and 
and helping people be their best selves. That's one of the things that I love. Um, and there's no danger of us us not uh, having a great chat about it. And, you know, I was thinking as you were talking there, you know, maybe, may, you know, it sounds like there's probably tons more questions that, that uh, women in the community would love to ask. Uh, I mean, who knows? Like, maybe we could do this again sometime. Maybe we could even do a, a live Facebook uh, Q&A. So, uh, you know, announce it on, on Facebook and then we'll take questions and answer them live, uh, something like that. I mean, whatever helps people get the information they need, I'm happy to do. That would be great, and I, and I appreciate that, John. I mean, because I, I, I get a fair, you know, just because of the size of my audience, I get a fair amount of health and nutrition-related questions, not only from the ladies in my boot camp for the Soul private community, but also just on my general Facebook page, right? That, I mean, mm-hmm. as you well know, being in the industry, health and fitness is one of those kind of almost like universal things that every everybody is always having uh, wants to know more about, and because there's so much misinformation out there, and because they're, you know, they don't know God. Do, do I do South Beach? Do I do Paleo? Do I do gluten free? Do I do this? Do I do that? Um, you know, there's 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 always something to talk about. And the thing that, and here's what I didn't, and I got to be candid. I, I didn't really realize this to the degree until I, you and I talked today. But the thing I like about what you guys do, I guess if I had to distill it down to one thing, it's about Changing people's lives, changing their health, changing their fitness, but making it achievable. See that? See, because like you said, I, with, with the boot camp style, when most people think, "God dang it, I got to get in shape, or I got to lose some weight, or I got to learn how to eat right," ninety-nine point nine percent of people they take the boot camp approach. Wow, let's go get the let's go get the diet book, let's go sign up for the, the trainer, right? And then they do that, they make a little bit of progress, but then they never sustain it, and so it's just like this endless cycle. But mm. the but the thing that's cool about what you do, about what Precision Nutrition does, is you attack the psychological root of our behavior as human beings and say, okay, how do we address this in such a way that we can make permanent and lasting change so that we don't have to try the latest fad diet, but so that we can actually incorporate and start making smart decisions that can become who we are and most importantly will be sustainable. So yeah, that's what I dig about what you guys do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts of it too, you know, because it's easy to compartmentalize things in your life and say, oh, well, that's fitness. Yeah, yeah, do fitness that way. That makes sense. But to be honest, I use this exact thing in every aspect of my life. You know, in, in our upcoming coaching program, we offer these monthly workshops where, you know, I help people through these guided exercises. Um, and in uh, thinking through their values and priorities and maybe what the next practice they're going to use is and, and how to think about it and how to set yourself up for success. And because my own health and fitness is, is you know, taken care of for the most part, a lot of the examples I share from my own life are other things that I'm working on. So, for example, you know, as you know, I have three children now. And as you know, having children um, is demanding and it's crazy and it changes your life and everything. Um, it also requires you to develop new skills. Like, I need to figure out how to be a good parent. That's super important to me. So I use the same exact principles. Yeah. Also, anyone who has kids knows that it puts a lot of strain on your relationship with your partner. And so for me, uh, very important to me, is try and develop into a better partner. So what I've done is I've done the same exact thing we do with fitness and nutrition. What's my goal? What are the skills I need to build and what are the practices that I can, I can do every day to help me build those skills? And I've converted that into how to be a better parent and partner. So I just do, this, I just do these little things. 
that that build me up into that. You know, I mean, guilting yourself into being a better parent never works. You know, uh, but practicing being a better parent in small ways every every day is the only path to success. And so um, I I think it's the same thing with food and nutrition. That's why I love what we do. Um, but it, I mean, I feel like I'm like the old hair club for men commercial guy. Like, not only am I uh, the president, I'm also a client. You know, uh, I believe in this so strongly. You know, I, I believe in um, in the power of practice based coaching to develop skills and to become the person that you want to become. I don't think there's any shortcut. I don't think there's any other way to do it. Uh, so I, I use it to become a better parent and partner. I use it, you know, for my own health and fitness, and I, I'm just extremely passionate about teaching it to others. Clearly. Well, listen, buddy, we will uh, definitely, definitely have to do round two of this thing. And, you know, whether we do it, in the, I, I think it'd be great to do some sort of a video hangout or something like that, or like you said, something on Facebook. That would be cool because they're, um, I know the ladies would, would definitely appreciate it. And i got to tell you, man, you know, I've known you for, you know, like I said, 15 years now, and just, uh, but not, I never really kind of, had the essence of, of what your credo really really crystallized for me until just today. So Yeah, and I'm glad because I think it resonates with what you're trying to do in the world as well. And while we may talk about different subjects, I think the the philosophy is aligned, which I love. Yeah, and really at the end of the day, and, and the ladies have heard me say this all the time, it all comes back to, you know, what I what Buddha would call finding finding your bliss. Right, not to get you know religious or anything, but really at the end of the day, it's it's all about how do you cultivate the right type of mindset so that you can truly be happy, right, in all areas of your life. And really, you know, fitness and health and fitness is is a is a key cornerstone because if your body isn't healthy, then it's certainly much more difficult for your mind to be healthy, and vice versa. If your mind isn't healthy, it's going to be a lot more difficult for your uh, for your body to be healthy. So there's obviously that that synergy between the two. So I love having you on, man. We'll we'll definitely do this again for sure. Okay, everyone, that's it for this week's edition of Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. For more information about how to eat, move, and live better yourself, and for some awesome free nutrition and health resources, come visit us on the web at www.precisionnutrition.com. You could also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at InsidePN. Talk to you next time.